Bonjour Max, bonsoir Max. So hi Paul, today uh, a special episode with someone new. So Episode 3 Max, episode 3. Yeah. Yeah. We're making yeah. a lot of progress here. Yeah. <laughs> the reason is something like one episode every year. So Yeah, almost, yeah, almost. Yeah. So today we will uh, be joined by Sophia. Sophia, I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce your name, so I don't know whether you want to state your name first. Yeah, I can. Hello. Good evening, everyone. So, Sophia Mosso. Okay. That's my name. <laughs> and Sophia is working at the VU in, uh, in molecular toxicology, and uh, she's an expert uh, in, what? Do you, well, what are you an expert in? I'm an expert on nothing, I guess. But yeah, I like metabolism. So this is probably the yeah, but the, not, the not, not drug metabolism, me. not drug metabolism, cellular metabolism, right? Yeah, cellular metabolism. Okay. Yes. And then we're also joined. It's the first time we have guests, so that's, that's nice. Uh, so we have another guest, and this is um, Mr. Sam McCabe. Say hello, Sam. Hello, everybody. And Sam McCabe, I've talked about him in the in the jingle, the episode zero. Uh, Sam made the jingle, so he's a clever boy. Okay, uh, Max, maybe you you or Sophia. How do we start this? So our episode three today, yeah, is about uh, fermentation and the use of alcohol by sapiens. Yeah, not only, but we'll see. No, but that was the title of the episode. I know. We could use ethanol by other organisms too, of course. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was still having in mind that. Uh, so, Paul is currently recording it from his home in Amsterdam. I am currently in French. Sophia is also in Amsterdam, but in a different location. Yeah. And from where Paul is standing, uh, from time to time, you can hear some birds eating his windows. And oh, yeah. the theory behind it is that Paul is assuming the birds are drunk. Yeah. And he might be right. Uh, they're, star the they're starlings, by the way, and it's only twice a year when the tree outside has fermentation on the uh, on these big fruits it produces. Yeah. yeah, so exactly. So that's actually the theory behind it is the birds might get drunk a few times a year by eating those berries. And that's basically the topic is there. Uh, where is alcohol coming from? And how can we uh, explain it to people? That would be our challenge for today. Okay, so who knows where alcohol came from? I mean, how do humans yeah. discover alcohol? Yeah, that, that's the point. I don't know, we know how it was discovered, uh, kind of how did human made to the realization that there was alcohol there? But probably we know more about the people who kind of explain it. Uh, but the discovery of it, I doubt we have any recording of that. Well, I said in my three-year lecture that um, that the, the difference between sapiens or hominids than any other species is that we can pass on information quicker than our genetic mutations. So if starlings can figure out how to get drunk, I'm pretty sure any animal can figure that out. <laughs> so we probably always had ethanol. 
Yeah, the related question is, I guess starting, I'm not sure they do it on purpose. I'm not sure your birds aim to no, get drunk. It's an it's well, we're gonna we're gonna discuss this again. No, it's it's Paracelsus. Uh, the dose makes a toxin. They were after the ethanol, which is a big source of energy, but they drank too much. Or they just came across by accident, wasn't it? I mean, it can also be that there they was something that then got spoiled, right? So that oh, then yeah. ethanol was formed and then they realized that actually, you know, it had a different taste and actually could make you feel a little bit different than normal. So maybe this yeah. is how they found it out. Yeah, I guess. And uh, because, you know, we, we were originally hunters and gatherers before we came predominantly meat eaters. And uh, so we had, you had the fruit back at your house and you, tr you threw the bad fr fruit away, which was fungus. So even now, if you see a fungus on a fruit, you don't want to eat it. Yeah, but I, f I found some reference, you know, related to winemaking, that there are references or, or I, I don't know exactly what type of evidence they collected, but they mentioned that it's since the Neolithic. So it is really long time ago. Yeah, but that's a, that's a specialization. So fermentation of ethanol was specialized by sapiens into so many things. Uh, wine, uh, whiskey, beer. What else is from, is cheese fermented? It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's also fermentation and then bread, I guess. So when all of these things started to to be made and and I guess things were, I think probably people started to make these, these foods even before fully understanding what was going on, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, only, we're still only learning about the metabolism of some of these things. I mean, yeah. I can talk about that, but it's pretty new knowledge. All of this is metabolized by the liver. Oh, should we try to explain to people with no concept around it, uh, what is ethanol and where it comes from? Should I say the bad effects first, maybe? What it, what it does to your body? Yeah. So, because I, yeah, I was looking, I mean, everybody knows this. Um, the, yeah, well, he's the one who, drunk, who get drunk, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you got the hangover. I, I can explain that. I can explain that molecularly, but it might be a bit boring. Uh, but the things that you, you get, it, it increases your blood pressure because it's a vasodilator. So your all your blood vessels um, are open. And that, that what makes you have a warm feeling. Um, and being warm is a nice feeling, so it might add to the euphoria. But if you drink too much or even, even, even just one night, you're tired the next day because it interferes with the REM as a part of your sleeping. So even if you slept like eight hours, you're still tired the next day because you didn't have enough REM. So you're, it's basically, you, you, you slept too deeply, basically. Because ethanol as a kind of... A, um, how do you say anesthetic uh, effect on the brain? You have memory memory loss that might be associated with that. So, as far as I understand, I'm not an anesthesiologist at all, but it changes the membrane slightly. Um, it affects the, the membranes of the neurons or wherever it is, and I guess the synapses don't fix properly. So you don't remember what you said sometimes the, the night before. In Ireland, we call that the fear <laughs> because sometimes you're afraid what you said was bad. <laughs> Uh, and the next thing I had was mind fog, but that, that comes together. Um, yeah, I, I, I found, I, well, I, I can't, I, don't, I didn't read the papers, but it's supposed to have effects on men uh, and reduce the testosterone of men. 
Um, the long term, right? Yeah. And I mean, maybe anecdotally, you can see men that drink a lot. I mean, men seem to be big drinkers of alcohol. They have big fat bellies and they sometimes start to grow breasts. So that, that might be it's simply a decrease in testosterone because it's toxic to the uh, area where testosterone is, is produced. But not the big belly, right? I mean, do you know why no, yeah, the big belly? Because, no, I didn't mean to be sexist there. I, I have to go back. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, it's it's no. You're right. The big belly is just too much energy, and men have harder bellies, I guess. Um, you, yeah, when when you're acutely drunk, you you crave fat, and I don't know. Sophia might help me out here because um, you have, I think, and Sophia will correct me. I think it's because uh, ethanol is a source of energy, but a, a, a glycolytic one. And then the, the, the body is searching for uh, the opposite because it needs both. So you crave fat. Sophia, what oh, do you think? Is it described as such? Well, no, but I just... My, my personal experiments tend to contradict that I'm not craving for fat when I'm... Uh, no, well, well, it depends. I guess it depends on what you drink as well, because in Ireland, we drink mostly beer and, 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 and Guinness. And you see people flooding the streets to get kebabs, which are just fat. Sophia, maybe you, you come in with your I have. I actually didn't look exactly up, you know, what this could be. But it would make I, just, sense. I mean, I, I just think that like Dutch cuisine is absolutely adapted for this because they have like this love for fried food. Yeah. So this yeah. is really like fitting no, but, well. But if you think about it, I'll, I'll get, I might get to the toxicology of it, but I heard in the toxicology of it, you have a, a decrease um, in NAD+, which is a, a also a required energy source. Uh, and would the fat um, make the balance in the other direction? Well, Sophia's thinking about it, so it's not, not a completely stupid question, at least. So no, I, let, no, me, no. let me continue with the... Um, uh, 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 with the... Um, the, the toxic effects or the, the effects on the, on the human physiology. In really long term, uh, you get you can get depression. Um, I guess it might be simply sleep deprivation. Uh, that's the most likely cause, or or because you did, you're worried that you said something wrong the night before and you can't remember. Um, and then there's dehydration, and dehydration also makes you so if you're sleep deprived and you're and you're dehydrated. Um, and you have too little NAD plus, I mean, it, it's not good for you. Oh, back to the fat thing. In Ireland, after a feed of drink, we call it, uh, we always have a fry up in the morning, so fat. And it helps your hangover a bit. Um, so the dehydration thing, um, I don't know. Well, yeah, I'll stop talking after this, right? So you need to pee a lot when you drink against the fact uh, that you, you, you're actually dehydrated because all of the water leaves your kidney and it's because of a thing that you, you can look up if you like called aquaporin 2. That's uh, there's a hormone coming from the brain that goes to your kidney and it opens water channels in the lower part of the kidney. And alcohol prevents that hormone coming from your brain. So you, your, your body just thinks you're, you're, you're absolutely have too much water and it just starts getting rid of all the water. And uh, then, uh, yeah, you're dehydrated. But, but drinking water, so there's this idea for a cure that you would drink a beer and then drink water. That only works if the alcohol intake um, is less frequent. So it might slow you down, mm -hmm. but, but if you drink water before you go to bed, when the hormone isn't there, it, 
it, you still just need to pee. It, it, so you need. So I think the drinking the water things just slows it the whole thing down. So in my opinion, and I guess the other two have other opinions. Yeah, drink alcohol, but drink it slowly. Oh, what about? I think we we won't address that stupid ID because the hormone you refer to is ADH, right? Right. Yeah, it's antidiuretic hormone or vasopressin, okay. also called it. So would it be that if you fuse uh, that to, uh, if you find a way of administrating people with ADH while they are having alcohol, then you would have an alcohol which would not generate any hangover? No, it would still cause, no, it would stop the dehydration, which is part of it. But you'd so, still have, you'd still have, um, so, so, no, you'd still have uh, too much ethanol in your blood, which would affect your sleep. And yeah, still decrease yeah. your NAD, so it wouldn't help. It would help one part of it. It wouldn't be the full answer. Okay. The real answer is don't drink too quickly, or too much. Oh, too much. Oh, the real answer is don't drink. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I encourage people to drink, and frequently. <laughs> no, you cannot <laughs> encourage people to drink. I do, as long as they're of legal age, and they don't have. That's, that's the point. It's not because it's legal that it's good. It makes no sense. Well, we'll discuss this later. So go on. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things are legal and still they are not good to do yeah well if it's legal you should do it <laughs> it wasn't always legal remember prohibition in the 20s what was the reason for that does anybody know I, I don't know the reason was that alcohol was bad for health <laughs> <laughs> they were wrong hasn't changed <laughs> hasn't changed they were wrong I'll explain why later I, I talk too much we too talk no, they were not wrong <laughs> the difference is that, yeah, we would still, uh, as a society, consume something and probably alcohol. And that's what happened during the prohibition. People find found ways of making it themselves. Yeah. Oh, they even drank more, actually. Yeah. And yeah. bad qualities. And yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, that was also a big a big issue, right? I mean, yeah. this bad bad quality wine and and so on that then indeed leads to even worse. Right. Worse uh, medical conditions than only the alcohol. Yeah, that's actually one topic that we haven't uh, previously listed as one of interest, which is uh, methanol intoxication. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. One famous example of that is that, uh, yeah, in French we say absent. I guess the English pronounce it slightly different. Yeah, it's the same. It's absent. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. it was actually banned in France for a pretty long time, actually. And uh, it has a very bad reputation of turning people completely full. And probably the reason for that was that absinthe was actually a very uh, bad process of production, uh, which resulted in methanol uh, intoxication because of the presence of methanol in the uh, end product. Do you, know, and, do you know the cure for methanol intoxication? Yeah, I know. I know. Sophia, that's your turn. Do you know the cure? Because <laughs> I do. Yeah. Ethanol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's also a, it's also a cure. When you get poison, then you get a cure. What's it called? Uh, antidote. It's an antidote. Yeah. Uh, that would, uh, I guess that's mainly the reason why absinthe was uh, then forbidden in France. People were turning crazy, and we have so many famous poets and things like that. Yes, I mean exactly, and I think this was also I think um, a time in in history because it also in in Portugal you had a lot of you know, now very famous writers that were drinking a lot of absinthe and then 
writing lovely books and and now people do not know if some some of the lovely books were a little bit the effect of the absent or or not but isn't there, there there originally there was a there was a psychoactive compound in absent i don't know that yeah look it up um uh, and they, i don't know if they took it out on purpose but i i was in a bar recently and they, they had absent and i said i thought why is that back have you taken out this psychoactive compound and I said, well, the, the modern day um, absent has it in still, but it's so but low concentration. Yeah, yeah that you, you could drink a whole bottle and you wouldn't feel mm. it. So uh, my thing is that, or my thinking is that they, they all drank absinthe in the, all these guys, uh, they were writing the poems and stuff. Um, and I, I guess it increased their brain activity a bit. Whatever the psychoactive compound is, Max yeah. is searching for it. Did you find it? Yeah. It's artemisin or not? Uh, wait, <laughs> too fast. But this issue of, of bad fermentation was also a, a very big problem uh, for wine. And I think this was also one of the reasons where they started to to have uh, checks and, and quality control of wine to make sure they didn't Sophia, have. Sophia, I have a question for you, the expert in, in these kind of processes. Is there well, any way, wait, wait, just a second, Max. Is there yeah. any way methanol can be, uh, can come out of fermentation? Yes, I mean, it can come out of bad fermentation. So or you just, yeah, 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 yeah. If you just ferment further, or I think at higher temperature, yeah. then you can have the risk of, of having methanol formation. Because, because and I think this was the issue with the wine, because you can get faster fermentation if you increase the temperature. So then you can produce faster, but then you can start to produce things that are actually quite bad and... And um, other, because of course, other compounds, not only ethanol, are produced upon fermentation. Right. Because there was this case in Austria, um, I can't remember exactly when, after the war, the Second World War, um, the, 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 this guy was producing some, it was either wine or, or something like that. And uh, everybody who drank it went blind. Um, and uh, they, I think he was, he was, he was prosecuted, but they suspect that he put methanol in it deliberately. And I, and I, I thought he did too. But you explained that if you over process it, it can, yes. Yeah. But you can imagine also that, for example, another way that they used to uh, to do to speed up wine fermentation was to add ethanol already. Oh yeah, you know, and then in that way you also start, you know, producing methanol at some point. And is methanol toxic to yeast as well? I guess so. Right? I... Well, we should have said, uh, listeners, that uh, uh, yeast are experts in all of this. So it's yeast who makes the ethanol, even for us still. So these are these. Um, yeah, there's three branches of life. Oh no, there's three branches of eukaryotic life. That's uh, fungi, Sam animals and fungi animals and okay no that's prokaryote Dele. plants have you heard of them ah smoke enough of them um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah fungi are yeast are part of the fungal branch of life and they exist they exist on the on the coatings of all fruit 
and they're in the air. Actually, Sophia, you were going to say something about sourdough, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, they are, they are in various places and you can have, I mean, so ethanol is produced uh, through fermentation, but also other compounds can be produced through fermentation like lactate. So you have these lactic acid bacteria. So these are the ones that, for example, help uh, to, to make yogurt. That's so interesting, Sophia, because I, I, I happen to be, if I drink a lot, not, not, not all the time, and especially when I was running, if I drank a lot, I'd wake up in the, in the middle of the night with a cramp on my leg. And that was probably adding lactate to already a, an issue. Yeah. So, and it also happens what you're mentioning, it can happen in the muscle, right? So yeah, you can have the, like yeah, it was a lactate production. So this is, this is also uh, possible. And then you also have like fermentation that produces acetic acid. And then you can think of, for example, vinegar, wine vinegar production. So then oh, yeah. you have, you have acetate, um, or kombucha, you know, so that's very fashionable right now. So is that, that a Portuguese also, one, a Brazilian one, isn't it? I my idea. I mean, when I went to the US, is super fashionable kombucha. Okay. All the cool kids are drinking kombucha. <laughs> Max, did you find out the active? Yeah, I look it up and uh, I I found a pretty interesting study actually. Uh, what they did was to analyze that they were looking for the exact same question as ourselves. Uh, there is something that is even called abs absentism, which is a syndrome that people would experience after too much consumption as absent. And what they did was to collect bottles pre-ban. So uh, they even found bottles of absent uh, dating from 1805. Right. So they started looking into that. Uh, they collected something like 100, uh, 100 of them and looked for any possible contaminants or compounds uh, into it. And it turns out there was nothing, uh, just ethanol and a few normal compounds. No arsenic, no opium, no no whatever. So it's a myth. So it's a myth. Their conclusion is basically it's just that it, uh, absinthe is a strong alcohol. Uh, most yes. of them are something around 80%. And if you drink too much of an 80% uh, booze, basically mm -hmm. you start really experiencing the hallucinations. Uh, yeah, the hallucination and also the side effects. It's funny, I wanted, wanted to mention this as well. So Irish are pretty known for drinking. Um, and I don't, I, don't want, I don't mean to be racist or anything, um, but many, it's true, I'm Irish myself. Many Irish people drink frequently. And there's, there's, there's a lot of alcoholism in Ireland as well, which is sad. But it's, it's really rooted in the Celtic um, traditions. So um, the word for whiskey is ishkabaha. And Ishkabaha uh, translated loosely means the water of, of life. And when we say, when we cheers to you, so when we touch glasses, there's a story, another story behind that one. Um, uh, we say slancha, and it means health. And maybe we, we, we do the same. We say we say else as well. No, but we say it's, we say it specifically when we touch glasses, and maybe it means a bit. Uh, don't drink too much. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> That's wrong. That's actually okay, wrong. Okay, it was just brain fart. Tell me what, yeah. what it means. No, but the, we the have the same as well. Yeah, yeah the assumption around this, it. the clicking glass, the assumption around it is that uh, people tend to poison themselves quite heavily at that time. In yeah, the, I know that. Yeah. And, well, you didn't explain that long enough. So yeah. the, clicking, the clicking of the glass, I'm going to make the sound now because Sam is drinking a glass of wine with me. He never drinks wine. Um, it was because 
when uh, lords or warriors or the heads of an army would meet each other, they would click the jugs. They didn't have glasses then. And the, the the jugs would be overflowing with the with the whatever they had mead probably, and it would spill into each other. So they they it was a sign of trust that they wouldn't poison each other. Yeah, exactly. It, no, no, it was actually done on purpose. The idea was to prevent uh, any of the two to poison the other. So basically, initially, it's reported that they were kind of mixing the glass uh, and the drinks. But that's what but any said. of the two would uh, basically. It's you both die or none of us die. And know, from that era, uh, what we kept was the idea of uh, clicking glass. Uh, yeah, and then, and then it's, I guess the association with else is related to that. You said it was wrong. It's exactly what I said. No, no, that's what you said here. But it's kind of, uh, it's not related. I guess the, the idea of saying slancha or else oh, yeah. at the yeah. time you click is associated to raise the fact that I'm not poisoning you. Yes. So I'm wishing you good else. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. It's funny to hear a Frenchman say slanchy. He said it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but if we go one step back, you know what yeah. you mentioned, Paul, about the water of life? I think yeah. we also have this. So, so Max, in, in, in France, you have this eau de vie. So yeah. Yeah. We, and we also have something equivalent to that in, in yeah. Portuguese. Yeah. Uh, but then in our case, I guess in yours as well, it's it's the it's the most alcoholic part from the from the wine fermentation, right? So then you get like high, um, like a liquor, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually uh, the way we define any kind of liquor, and they, they can come from any type of fruits. Uh, they can you think about? Uh, I don't exactly know what vodka uh, means and whether it is associated to that, but I know aquavit is a way they, they call very strong alcohol uh, but also vodka, in Nordic countries. Yeah, vodka is, is, is made from fermented potatoes. Yeah, maybe but it, does vodka have any meaning, the, the term itself? Yeah, maybe I, it means... Maybe I it think means, it yeah. means water. Or okay. water. Or oh, little yeah. water. Something yeah. like that. I mean, we might check, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Max, you can look it up. So Ishkabaha <laughs> in, in Celtic uh, is... Uh, and yeah, and the Russians, some of the Russians come from Vikings and the Vikings and the Celts were great friends and enemies. The, the Vikings settled Dublin. So maybe the word Ishkabaha and vodka are exactly the same, just in two different languages. Max, Max is- uh, You're strong. right, vodka means little water. Little water. Yeah, that's what I found on the Irish Time website. Do you know that might be a, that might be a poor translation because it should be life water. Yeah, it might have been a, a, a bad translation uh, from Celtic to Russian. Yeah, yeah it might be stupid Vikings. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do we talk about next? Yeah, I, I just realized that uh, before starting our recording, we listed a few things and. Uh, when it comes to effects of alcohol, there is also uh, very strong effects of alcohol withdrawal. Uh, actually, withdrawing someone from alcohol is one of the worst things you can do. And it's—I I didn't understand what you said, Max. Drawing what? Withdrawal. Uh, when someone oh, alcohol withdrawal. Oh, sorry, alcohol withdrawal. So yeah. when, you, when you drink for a long time and then you have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of typical in France and in where I live in the north, we also have a very strong habits of making use of alcohol. So it's quite popular that anytime you have someone in uh, going to an hospital 
and being having to stay for some time, then we have to ask him whether he's uh, used to drink alcohol. Because people which are having a high uh, alcohol consumption, if you start preventing them from having it, they're going to experience very severe uh, withdrawal. Is it correct? With, no, it's with, well a bit longer all. So withdrawal. Oh, right. yeah. withdrawal. Okay. Anyway. It's funny you say that because I, I, I watched a YouTube video this, this morning to prepare for this. And this guy was talking about all the ill effects of, of uh, alcohol. Yeah. And he's a kind of an influencer guy. He looked like a smart guy. And he's, he's taken 30 days off alcohol, which is a really good recommendation. Uh, yeah. He didn't stop it. He just 30 days off. And he found himself eating more sweets. Um, you know, because he's a smart guy, so he's trying to figure out what what do I need, and it, not 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 scientifically, just what he was craving. And I wonder, is that just the same energy replacement source? And and should you give should you give people who are on alcoholics when they're withdrawing uh, uh, lots of sugar, basically? No, 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 no. You you have to give them ethanol. So it, because no. uh, the, the the severe form of it, uh, the severe form of uh, alcohol withdrawal. Uh, is that you experience something called the Korsakoff syndrome. Korsakoff syndrome is actually some uh, deterioration of your neuro, uh, neurological functions, which is irreversible. And it's provoked by the severe and brutal withdrawal of alcohol to someone which is used to uh, a very high and long-term consumption. So you cannot just stop from one day to the next, of course, if you are uh, having a high consumption, because you are exposing yourself to really neurological damage, which are uh, irreversible. So yeah. that's why we have this questionnaire. Anytime someone is pumping in uh, to mm -hmm. the hospital, you need to know because in case he would be used to alcohol, then you have to supplement him uh, slowly with some ethanol so that he would not experience that. Yeah. But how so, do you do that in the hospital setting? You give the, them a beer or? Yeah. or, or, or? Yeah. IV, IV. Yeah, IV. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, just on a small side, um, that's what they do for, for uh, that's, or that's a recommended treatment if allowed in the country for methanol, or sorry, uh, heroin addiction. And I heard a case in Innsbruck once um, that a baby had to be injected with heroin uh, because methadone is a, that's a completely different compound. Um, but Max, there's two different things here, what you're saying. So you're talking about the neurological effects. So that's really chronic alcoholism where probably the membranes, um, you know, they need it. They've got used to it. And But then there's the other thing where you're not an alcoholic. Uh, you just drink a lot uh, and frequently, and you're using ethanol as an energy source. And if you want to get off uh, alcohol for a month, then just eat more sugar. Uh, maybe that, So they're two, two separate things. Yeah, so on this last thing, I think I think there is also, you know, when people, for example, stop smoking, then they start chewing gum. You know, I think maybe there is like something you are used to drinking quite frequently. So then maybe you feel like, you know, eating you or, or yeah. drinking something else, something like that also has to do with the behavior or the habit of it. But Sophia, you're you're an expert in in NAD. What's what's the, how do you how do you say NAD in a longer way? Nicotinamide, the nicotinucleotide. Right. So everybody will understand the first word, nicotine. So most people are, well, not not anymore, but about 10, 15 years ago, most people who drank always smoked. Can you think of any metabolic condition why? Because NAD plus, as we said, okay, this is a bit complicated for people. I understand. But ethanol ends up by reducing NAD 
in, in these things called mitochondria that's in all of your cells except red blood cells, is there any way that giving nicotine would, would increase the NAD? The pathway to, uh, towards NAD is not the same as the pathway from nicotine towards I know, event. That's what... so, so you have other precursors that, that increase no, question, your NAD and question, Sophia, so none why, of why, them are nicotine. Okay? No, the question is why do people drink, uh, why do people who drink often smoke or at least used to? Is there any way that nicotine can be convert is converted some way back in the cell to help the NAD plus come back? I don't know about the chem biochemistry of that. I, I don't know, but I think it can also be a behavior thing. Well, no, certainly a behavioral thing. I mean, that's right. But behavioral things are usually things that are good for you. Your body is trying to tell you 3.5 billion years of evolution is trying to tell you to do something. It's just when you do it too much, again, back to Paracelsus. So yeah. I, I wonder. I, I wonder. Maybe nicotine somehow, or maybe very complicatedly, helps the NAD plus come back. Anyway, yeah, that would be wonderful, right? I mean, this this would well, it be. Seems like... to be a, it seems to be a real synergism between smoking <laughs> and drinking. I mean, surely you know, chemically yeah. they come from you know the same backbone, isn't it? It's all very similar. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We had we had the last podcast on cells. And what makes up cells and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, and then we we never really got into the chemistry of cells, but that's for maybe another podcast, or maybe that's even too complicated. Max, back to you, buddy. Yeah, I just realized I confused myself with the Korsakoff syndrome. It's not Korsakoff. The severe uh, symptoms of depri of uh, deprivation is delirium, delirium tremens, which is actually the name of a brewery in Belgium. It's also the name. It's also the name of a very good Chrissy Morrison. Yeah, yeah. There was an ad at the time where this guy was drinking Guinness on a surfboard and he said, uh, I, I could never understand how that guy got up on a surfboard after 20 pints of stout. <laughs> and the song was called Delirium Tremors. Yeah. So that's actually what you experience if you withdraw someone from alcohol very suddenly. Whereas uh, Korsakoff is, uh, that's the extreme opposite is when you intoxicate someone pretty high and that's a neurological damage which are uh, provoked by alcohol in that case. It's nice you mentioned that because there's a guy called um, Martin Cahill. Um, he was a criminal, one of the top criminals in Ireland in the 70s and 80s. Uh, his code name or the common name was the general. And he, well, basically, if anybody got in his way, he, he'd murder them or blackmail them or whatever. Ruthless man. There's been several films made about him. Um, and he would, he would kill people um, that he didn't like by getting them absolutely drunk in public and then going and having a few drinks back in his own private bar somewhere. Uh, and then, you know, feed them with ethanol and then leave them outside on the cold night, take all their clothes off or some of their clothes off. And because of vasodilation, uh, they would die of hypothermia. Yes. And, and there was no crime because people saw the guy drinking, he was drunk, no crime. Couldn't, he didn't do anything. He just got the guy drunk. And he didn't even do, get the guy drunk, the guy got himself drunk. That's sophisticated, I think. Yeah, it, right, yeah. Well, he was very well. He made he made a big mistake in the end, but uh, he pissed off too many people, and he got popped. Mm. Well, actually, now that I say that, where he got popped was around the corner from a pub that I used to work in called the Portobello. Uh, it used to be a good pub. If you're listening, Portobello, it's no longer a good pub. 
<laughs> uh, no, I said, no, it's just, no, it's, don't go there anymore. But it was great. And I worked there for 15 years. So I, I know a lot about people's intoxication of ethanol. And just to keep on with this idea that uh, based on the risk associated to withdrawing people from alcohol quite suddenly, uh, my, my mom used to be a nurse and she's retired now, but uh, then the typical question was then to ask people whether they are used to drink alcohol, uh, to which most people say no. Mm -hmm. But then in my region, people are very addicted to beer and mm -hmm. to a degree where beer is no longer considered to be alcohol. So then the follow-up question was, and what about beer? And then some of them simply tend to say, oh yeah, I'm drinking quite a lot of them. Uh, sometimes something like uh, 50 uh, small cans a day, which then would turn to be <laughs> yeah. being completely an alcoholic, but not assuming to be one, because for them, beer was not simply alcohol. Now, I actually found this. So you can metabolize, uh, or the average person can metabolize seven grams of ethanol per hour. So That's a lot. Well, it's the average. Yeah, yeah, you can metabolize it quite well. Um, and something else to add to that. What was it? Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. And is it that etan oh, yeah, uh, alcohol drink, are they uh, kind of glucose-rich or uh, are they just well, I think it energy-rich because of the alcohol itself? I think it depends because the, we like the flavor as well. And there must be sugar in that as well. Yeah. Um, so the the um, you know in America when they have all these light beers, so yeah. they're re they're reduced calories, but not reduced alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. So and it and it tastes like shit. I mean, there's, there's this joke, uh, and I better not say it. I get sued. So forget it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, I wanted to say. Um, Oh, shit, I had it in my head. Oh, yeah, in, in, in London, uh, at some stage, I don't know when it was, 1700s or something like that, the water quality was so bad, everybody drank beer. I mean, babies, uh, adults, old people, for a period of a few years. But the beer, the percentage of alcohol in the beer was like 2%. Yeah, yeah but this was the case, I think, in yeah, the Middle everywhere, Ages, yeah. everywhere. I yeah. mean, because the, the water quality was so bad and you could not trust it, so then people were just drinking all the time. I, I, I only looked this up this morning, so I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to be arrogant. Uh, so I just find it interesting. So does any of you know why, if you drink a lot of alcohol, you're more immune to it? Immune to alcohol? Yeah, or you're, you're more resistant to the effects of ethanol. Yeah, the kind of popular rumor is that you need to train your liver. Yes, no, that's, no, that's, exactly, that. that's exactly true. I'm, I'm talking more about the molecular effects. Yeah. Which, which enzyme is induced? Uh, I guess some sips, but which one exactly? Or alcohol desidrosiners or anything like that? So, no, so yeah, I wanted to be, I didn't really want to go through this in detail, but now we're talking about it. So ethanol is metabolized by an enzyme called uh, alcohol dehydrogenase yeah. to a compound that's called acetylaldehyde. Okay. And acetylaldehyde uh, is eventually converted to acetyl-CoA, which you need as an energy source. Yeah. Uh, and that's 90% of the metabolism. So if you drink slowly, that's the good route, right? But if you drink too fast or drink too much, the other 10% kicks in, and that's by a compound called CYP2E1, or mm -hmm. sorry, not a compound, an enzyme called CYP2E1, which is uh, inducible. 
So alcohol dehydrogenase is not inducible, and CYP2E1 is inducible. Uh, alcohol dehydrogenase, I think, I'm not sure it's, if it's in the mitochondria of the cytosol. cell. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But CYP2E1 is in, is in the ER, sitting there, huge surface area, ready to consume it. And it can split it. Uh, so it makes it makes aldehyde again. And, is, and, a, and it also, CYP2E1 can also metabolize acetaldehyde. So, uh, sorry, wait, I said that wrong. Ethanol is converted to acetaldehyde by CYP2E1, and CYP2E1 uh, and the other enzyme uh, aldehyde dehydrogenase can metabolize uh, it to acetate. And sometimes these are rejoined again to be acetyl-CoA. So if you, if you drink a lot, you induce the CYP2E1. Yeah, and because that's kind of your hobby, uh, are you familiar with any of the pathway which potentially upregulate them? Uh, Max, don't put me on the spot, and it's boring anyway. No, I can't <laughs> remember. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, okay. it's, de it's definitely an ethanol binding receptor, uh, PXR, or X, one of those ones. Okay. That, that was a related P question. Do you know or, I don't know. We'll, okay. we'll, but there, we'll, there is one, right? Well, I presume so. If it's inducible, it, I don't know. Um, I, I've never already recall anyone uh, referring to it. Yeah, but it could be it could be ethanol or or uh, acetate or even acetaldehyde itself that that is uh, binding to it. So one of those things is binding to a nuclear receptor. There's many of them, and it's very complex. And I'm not that knowledgeable on it. Uh, but if you keep activating it, it induces itself. These ones have positive feedback loops. Okay. So, how do you think it's going so far, Sam? Um, yeah, most of it's going over me, yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting to listen to. Well, he's a clever boy, so we we should slow it down a bit then. Ah, them their long words there. Yeah, no, don't don't read me notes. Listen to what I say. <laughs> Sorry, every time I'm with a Dublin person, my accent becomes a lot more Dublin. That's association. And so, yeah, we listed a few of the things. So. Asian question is trying to explain uh, where the dizziness comes from because oh yeah, it's quite uh, yeah, in particular when you go in the central district of Amsterdam, it's quite uh, usual that you meet some people which are again on, uh, moving from one side uh, of, of the other side of the shoulder, depending on how much they had, and, and part of it can be explained, I guess. So that's uh, the dizziness is actually associated to the inner hair which is the way we actually uh, have our uh, stability uh, mm -hmm. form. And uh, we have some kind of tiny sensors there. And these tiny sensors uh, are into a specific uh, fluid in our brain. And these fluids changes viscosity uh, when you drink too much of alcohol. And because of that, then the movements are more pronounced than they are normally. And still your uh, brain is, uh, is receiving the same input and is adapting to a different... Uh, an input which is then different. So it, it, it increases the sensitivity of your balance? No, no, your, your brain is still analyzing the information the same way. The problem is that it moves faster because of the viscosity being changed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you, you kind of overcompensate. And if you think about it, that's actually what you see. You see those people moving one side and then suddenly they're gonna uh, crump and go faster on the other side. That's they overcompensate. That's a micro game in, in uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla that you have to drink and then correct your imbalance. <laughs> Here, Max, I tell, you, I tell you a story. I was, I was out with a friend of mine. Oh, this is going back 20 years. Uh, a fellow from Cork, Morris Keenan. They, they called him Mossy. He worked in the Portobello with me as well. 
And he liked to drink Bacardi. And I hate the taste of Bacardi, to be honest. But I drank so much Guinness, I couldn't drink any more Guinness. And, and then he said, come on, have a Bacardi. And he didn't, at that time of night, it was like one o'clock, he didn't drink single Bacardis anymore. He was drinking double Bacardis with Coke. Oh, remind me about carbon dioxide and alcohol. Um, so I got home eventually in a taxi and uh, I lay down on my bed beside, I, I share a bed with Robert Jennings. My, or not a bed, sorry, a room. <laughs> I don't share a bed with Robert. <laughs> a room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, yeah, so poor Robert. I woke him up probably. And uh, and then about four o'clock in the morning, I think I was home around two, but four o'clock in the morning, my whole brain started getting dizzy lying down. I was lying down and uh, it's, it, it, yeah, so yeah, way too much ethanol. And all I could do is, because I couldn't stand up because I, I knew I'd fall over. So I opened the window right beside me and vomited out everything that was in my gut. And then I, and then I slept soundly and nicely. And then about eight o'clock in the morning, I heard this on my door at the window. It was my dad. He was cutting the grass and he saw the whole pile of vomit. <laughs> and he said, uh, clean that up, clean that up after breakfast. And I said, yeah, dad, sure. sorry, dad. <laughs> Carbon dioxide. Yeah. So I heard that... Uh, the, the gastric emptying is, is really important uh, for uh, uh, for the effects of ethanol on you. So you can you, the gastric emptying is triggered by the amount of, I think, uh, mass volume somehow in your stomach. So it'll empty it when it's it feels it's full and alcohol doesn't really do that. So that's why if you eat, uh, it's better uh, because it'll dump it back into the intestine. Uh, and the, and so longer so ethanol itself cannot penetrate the 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 uh, stomach wall. Just, the stomach is the first part after your esophagus, so it it cannot penetrate it. But if there's like but the thing is there's nothing exactly not non penetrable. So Max works on blood brain barrier, so everything can get through. It's about the rate it gets through. So probably there's a little bit of ethanol getting through the stomach wall, but tiny amounts. But when you drink anything that is bicarbonated, so uh, or sorry, carbonated, uh, it increases the pressure in your stomach, so more mm -hmm. ethanol goes through. So that's why champagne and all this kind of stuff uh, make you drunk quicker, even though they have less ethanol. Yeah. Makes sense. Thank that's you. I I think I deserve a round of applause for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a rumor. I I couldn't really look it up, but. Uh... There is some kind of uh, hearsay uh, in the field of alcohol consumption, and a popular one where I live. Uh, we are in the north of France, a place where there is uh, there used to be a lot of people uh, working in the mines, and most of them were Polish, and those Polish uh, have a reputation of being heavy drinker, but uh, they also have this kind of trick. The trick being that you you have this oh what's the name of that uh, small cucumbers. And these small cucumbers are full of fat and they saturate it with fat. And the idea is that eating that uh, would actually slow down the oral uh, absorption of ethanol. Oh, Meaning yeah. that then if you uh, have that before going for EV drinks, then it will slow down the assimilation of ethanol, preventing you from overdosing uh, your ethanol. And then keeping you the ability of lasting longer uh, during the party. Yeah, that's also true. So, so uh, yeah, the ethanol will go into the fat, um, and then yeah, it gets slow release ethanol. 
But if you continue, years. if you continue drinking, though, it'll overcome that, and you'll have the same yeah. effect. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure that it's uh, that it can be proven, and whether it has been studied enough. But uh, it's still a very strong belief that these Polish uh, cucumbers are good before going for a party. You said you said that the Polish are known to be heavy drinkers. Tell me one nation without without religious. No, no, no. The, the interesting part here is uh, is where it comes from for the French. Uh, the French kind of have a very famous say, which is uh, "drunk as a Polish," and it's a because say, you're racist. No, 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 no. Yeah, we are. But uh, inside of that, the reason for this saying uh, comes from Napoleon. So the Polish were actually part of Napoleon's army. Yeah. And uh, the fact is that actually, yeah, there is some debate around the, the actual meaning of it. But then he stated to his own, to his whole army, you should be drunk, but drunk as a Polish. And... The idea behind is that probably during one uh, extreme battles, uh, the French were actually too drunk to go on the battlefield, whereas the Polish were just drunk enough that they were uh, more brave and they just drink the right amount so that they would uh, uh, find the bravery of uh, facing the opponents, whereas the French were just cowards in that case. So Napoleon then said, you should be drunk, but drunk as a Polish. Oh, but that's interesting. So again, that's Paracelsus. Yeah. Yeah, so t- uh, the dose makes the poison. But why do you think why do you think ethanol increases bravery? Because this is definitely true. Because people fight more often. Yeah, it's kind of uh, one of its effects is to remove some inhibitions. So, but how? I don't. I don't recall. I look it up too quickly. There, there is explanation for that, but uh, yeah, I should do more research. No, 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 no. We shouldn't because if you do too much, then we 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 need to know our, the capabilities of what we know as well. Now, so, so it, but it, is it maybe something again to the memory loss and stuff like that that it's changing the, the no, memory? I, I don't think so. So the fight, okay. So I know a little bit about this. The fight, the fight and flight response uh, is in the amygdala. So that's the very, very core of your brain um, pointing downwards to your uh, stomach, and that's all. All mammals have that, and even birds have a version of that. And alcohol, uh, as we said, it gets into membranes. That's what it does. It's a pharmacological thing. Um, and in the hypothalamus, that's where this uh, vasopressin or antidiuretic hormone is no longer being secreted. So maybe it pushes us into a, I, I don't know. But, but then again, most people don't get angry when they drink. They're just easily triggered. They're, no, no. they're easily triggered. So there is also some part of it because probably there is a part of it which is biologic, uh, which 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 I should definitely look up uh, more deeply before saying stupid uh, things. But uh, what is also pretty well established is that actually being drunk is something that you can use as uh, to pretend that you're going to do something that you wouldn't have done. And there is also the psychological part to say. Uh, in the normal behavior, I could not say, oh, I said these stupid things because I was drunk. So then you're going to say it because you you know you can kind of blame it on the alcohol. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. But that's, that's cultural. And, yeah. And, yeah. So you can always try, like uh, making a move on a girl is something you can try. And then if it doesn't work, you can always say, oh, I, I was just drunk. I think it's more complex than that, though. No, the, the fact is that it, 
Then it's something you blame I remember, on I, I, I honestly remember when I was when I was younger because I had really bad acne. Uh, I, I was afraid to approach girls, um, and um, and when I drank, I wasn't. Uh, and I mean, I don't mean being really drunk. I mean just a few drinks. And and I I had no cultural knowledge of this thing that of, of hangovers and stuff. So it must somehow make you a little bit more confident in yourself. Yeah. Okay, I guess we don't know why, but that doesn't matter. Next topic. You don't have any more? That's fine. But I have one more, and that's the Asian hot flush. Okay. Should I do that now? Yeah. So I looked that up. So I thought myself personally, not as a scientist, but just just my my me, Paul Jennings, thought that thought that a certain percentage of Asians, because they, they, they're known to uh, to get drunker quicker. And there's, there's many reasons for that. They, when they don't drink yet, and also they don't have this increased uh, CYP2E1. Um, I'm, all, I'm always interested when I find out they have a, a, a gene uh, issue because that's proper evolution. So it, it basically, it's not anything. And I thought, I thought they didn't have alcohol dehydrogenase. But I think that's not even possible to be alive without alcohol dehydrogenase. That's that's not true. So what they what they what they're missing is uh, a functional or a, a slower um, aldehyde dehydrogenase two, and there's loads of alde aldehyde dehydrogenases. And again, this only matters when you're when you drink too much. So if they drank. If if uh, when Asian pe or the people with this mutate or not mutation, it's almost evolution. When they have this 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 different uh, gene, um, then if you drink too much, then it, the the metabolism of ethanol is is slower. So you have more vasodilation basically. So you you still have more ethanol in your blood. No, that's not, that's not even true. I oh, forget it. I'm getting confused. Next topic. <laughs> or, no, or, there, or, but still, did you figure out something? Besides being red on the face, does that make them more sensitive to alcohol? In the case, in the, are they turning drunk more rapidly than others for well, same it, dose, it, same it, body weight? It depends on your definition of drunk. So they have, they will have more ethanol in their blood. Okay. Because mm. so my, my my personal experience of that was uh, hosting some Japanese in my lab. And uh, then we were having, as usual, a Friday celebration, which is just an excuse for having a few drinks. And after a few drinks, he just turned completely red. And I told myself, fuck, I, I poisoned, uh, I alcohol poisoned one of my guests. And it turns out he was just turning red face, but he was still completely uh, kind of logical. Yeah, and but there's something, there's something and, else And he there. actually killed me uh, much later on, on alcohol. No, no, yeah, but there's another, there's another thing. Uh, so, uh, so I knew a person from Austria and she would get uh, uh, flushes in her face and on her arms and upper uh, upper body, yeah. uh, when she drank certain kinds of alcohol, and so then it's a kind of allergic reaction to alcohol. Yeah, so I think that's a histamine reaction to something else, not not ethanol itself. Uh, so there's yeah, I mean these things are complex because when you drink yeah. alcohol, it's it's not only ethanol. Yeah. And actually, by the way, please nobody ever drink only ethanol because you'll kill all the cells in your mouth <laughs> and your esophagus. <laughs> and just because of uh, what you just said. Uh, in France, um, it's no illegal to buy ethanol, except if you have a, a kind of a prescription for it. So you can no longer already buy uh, in the supermarket pure ethanol. And then the labs, uh, such as mine, we do have uh, possibilities of having ethanol. 
And for an obscure reason, uh, every single lab I know, we are sticking to one which is called the bon goût, which means good taste. So every single biology lab in France uh, tend to buy the ethanol, which is the good taste one. Because the idea is that because it's banned from buying it from the supermarket, then you can steal a bottle or, or two and bring it back home. And then you, you can mix it with some fruits and generate your own mix. Yeah, but I'm worried about, because we, we talk about purity a lot, I'm worried about the four, because it's only 96% ethanol. What's the 4%? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so cannot, that's that's water, an azeotropic point. So you cannot get it higher than that. Well, we can buy 100% ethanol. Yeah. Uh, for you cannot. Oh, the maximum I? the maximum is 96%, I think. 96? Yeah. But why, why, why would we buy the, 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 the analytical grade ethanol that says 100%? It does not. It does not. They lie. Or it doesn't I don't say think, it. I mean, when or you have a distillation, it's always the maximum you can get is 96, is what yeah. you call this azeotropic point. So what's the 4%? What, what's is the water. Point? Water? Yeah. So Max, it's interesting. I I went a bit, uh, yeah, I was I got kind of was a bit depressed last year uh, and stuff uh, because of COVID and all sorts of other things. But I was uh, I was at home isolated, and I started lighting fires everywhere. And my dad said, <laughs> like wood fires. I, I don't have a fireplace. <laughs> I, I lit them. I lit them outside, but, but my, and I don't, and I don't have a garden. I lit them on balconies. So my neighbors were a bit pissed off. And my dad said, uh, Paul, can you try an ethanol fire? Uh, it's much safer. So actually, I have one on in the barn. They're, they're great. I recommend ethanol as a, as a fire. You, you need some hubris for it as well, but as long as you have hubris and ethanol, it's great. Um, and I could buy, uh, well, the highest grade ethanol as a private person uh, in here in the Netherlands. I but it's but it's how is it classified? It's like technical ethanol or... It's ninety six percent. I have it here. It says it's bioethanol branch stuff for my Dutch is terrible. Far harden, whatever that means. So, so are, it's, it, are you it's, it's, it's actually ninety six point six percent. Okay, but good. that's ninety six. This is yeah. what I told you. It's <laughs> the it's the azeotropic point. This is what they teach you in chemistry, Paul. I didn't study chem. Oh, I did. <laughs> I wasn't interested in it. Then. <laughs> um. So yeah, does so it say I not guess. drink, Paul? Sorry? Does it say it's not drink? I'm Please not going to drink it. And why would I drink it? I, I, I go to... I no, go I'm, to just cu- I'm just curious to know whether it says do not drink. Uh, okay, look. No, it just says it's flammable. And I don't... <laughs> well, there's no obvious signs to say don't drink. I guess on the, fr- on, the, on the... You couldn't drink it. I mean, the smell of it. It's like, it's great. I mean, you, you physically couldn't drink it. No, so I, I, I... Yeah. I made some experiment and uh, I once drank uh, drink a vodka which was called Spiritus. Spiritus is a Polish vodka which is claimed to be one of the strongest alcohol in the world. It's actually 96. Percent. Drinking alcohol. Drinking alcohol. Yeah, drinking <laughs> alcohol. And uh, it's it's actually quite interesting to drink because uh, your tasting bud uh, gets anesthesia right away. So it's mm. pretty interesting. So it actually has no taste, but it not only has no taste, it prevents you from any taste for a few seconds after you drink it. Cormac Murphy told me this once that he had a, he, had, he took something like that in a lab, in a control lab environment, and they got them to eat a lemon. Yeah, you and couldn't that, feel it. For him, 
it, no, it, 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 it looked, it, it tasted him like an orange. It only yeah. had the sweet sensation. Yeah. He, he lost all the other ones. He, yeah. he lost the bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of your tasting buds couldn't work anymore because of the too high alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty interesting to, yeah, experience, let's say. Uh, Sophia, do you have anything to add? No, thank you. Let me, let me find the jingle. One second. We should ask Sam. Uh, Sam, what did you think about the podcast? Was that interesting? Yeah, it was very interesting. I learned that, uh, where is it here? What's this one? Sip 2E1. Sip 2E1 is on a loop and it creates itself or it creates a need for itself or something along those lines. It induces itself. It induces yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's what people get out of it, at least they learned a little bit about, about metabolism. Yeah. Okay, the jingle. So thank you very much, Sophia. Yeah. Sophia. You're very welcome. Thank you Sophia for inviting Mussel, me. That was a super input. Max, we should have guessed more often because that, that works better. Yeah. So uh, who's 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 our preferred guest for cocaine and morphine? <laughs> probably Walter Faller. <laughs> Walter, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Walter just recovering from a surgery. So if he's listening, I wish him well. Okay, the jingle. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Ça part de Valkyrie parce que j'ai des grands amis.